Welcome to the Foot and Ankle Project, where we stride into the world of foot and ankle pain, function, and performance. I'm your host, Tim Pargeter. In each episode, we dive into expert insights, athlete stories, and helpful solutions for those seeking improvement of their pain and performance. I hope you enjoy and share. Welcome back to the Foot and Ankle Project. This is episode three of the project and today we're going to be talking about plantar heel pain. Now, plantar heel pain is the most common thing that I see within the clinic and that has been a constant throughout my career. It is something that is extremely common within the population and there's even research to suggest that one in 10 people will go through plantar heel pain in their lifetime. I feel like that number could be more, but I suppose because all I see is foot and ankle pain. And there are a lot of different diagnoses around heel pain. And what I'm specifically going to be talking about today is plantar fasciitis, which I now know it as plantar fasciopathy. And the reason for that is because whenever we hear itis at the end of a word, it usually, or it does mean within the medical world that there is an element of inflammation, but there's been some change in the literature over the last few years where we believe that with the presentation of symptoms that are being driven from the plantar fascia, that it's actually not as much of an inflammatory condition as we originally thought. And so through the rest of the podcast, I will be referring to it as plantar fasciopathy. Now, plantar fasciopathy is a condition that presents with pain around or underneath the heel. And the symptoms, we believe, is generated from the plantar fascia itself. Now, what is the plantar fascia? Now, Fascia is one of the probably the most commonly misdiagnosed words within my clinic. And what it is, it's a tendon-like structure. And when I say tendon-like structure, what I mean by that is if, if you think of a big, strong, thick, elastic band or power band in the gym, then the properties of that and the plantar fascia are very similar. Now, the reason for that is because the plantar fascia allows or aids in shock absorption. So when the foot hits the ground, it then holds energy for energy storage and then it begins to return that energy as we continue to move and or or take each step. Now, at an anatomy point, it inserts into the heel bone or the calcaneus and then it actually spreads itself through the bottom of the arch into the toes. So it it acts very much similar to an Achilles tendon in in that it's it's absorbing and it's loading with with every single step. And how I tend to think about and how I explain to clients is that the more load you can put into your foot and ankle at a at a stepping and a running point, the more the fascia is actually going to load up. So there's going to be more load going through the plantar fascia for someone who is running compared to walking. There's going to be more load going through the fascia with someone who is sprinting compared to someone who is running. Same with change of direction, hopping, jumping, landing. There's a huge amount of variety in there. And what's important to note is that the plantar fascia is not being loaded in non-weight-bearing positions. So what I mean by that is if you're having 
plantar fascia pain when you're riding a bike or when you're you're swimming, then it's probably not going to be from your plantar fascia. Um, and we're going to have a bit of a look at some differential diagnoses later on in the episode. Now, as I mentioned, one in 10 people are, are likely to get heel pain within their lifetime. Um, and it is a common occurrence between the ages of 30 and 60. Now, there's a variety of reasons we believe this could be. One of the big things I tend to think about is there's a couple of things going on. Um, for the ladies out there, there's some hormonal changes which which we believe can impact on the plantar fascia um, and specifically sort of the, the menopausal ranges. Um, the other thing that I tend to consider as well is that our overall capacity and activity level as we age can reduce um, and potentially that might mean that there's more load going through the fascia as opposed to muscular units. Um, That's more of a theory as opposed to a researched option there. Um, But if you think about it, that if we are consistently losing muscular uh, ability size through age, then something else is going to have to absorb load and that might be your tendon or your fascia and, and this is the age group that we tend to pick up these presentations most commonly. Now, in terms of symptoms, this is really important and nine times out of 10, we can go and actually diagnose plantar fascia pain based on the symptoms. So the most common symptom that people will have is that they have pain and stiffness in the heel or the arch post rest or post sleep. So the first few or first 10 or however many steps in usually in the morning or after you've been sleeping are pretty severe. Now, this is probably one of the most sensitive and specific uh, symptoms that I tend to see for plantar fascia pain. And how I think about it and, and the theory that we have behind this stiffness and pain first thing in the morning is what we believe is that the fascia itself is made up of collagen fibers. Now, collagen is all over the body. It's in your skin it's in tendons, it's in ligaments. And and as we spoke about, it's a very elastic structure. When, if you were to weigh a fascia, what we believe is that about 80% or or 70 to 80% of the fascia is actually water. Whereas the other, only that 20 or 30% is actually those collagen fibers. Now, what what we believe is that when people are suffering from plantar fascia pain, what tends to happen is that there's a more of a pull of water into the fascia itself. And I believe it's the body trying to heal potentially or go through a bit of a recovery phase. And when we're not using the fascia, such as when we're resting or when we're sleeping, there is a marked increase in the amount of water that gets pulled into the fascia. Now, when you go to stand up after resting or sleeping, you're then standing on a potentially more swollen Uh, fascia that can then might be able to deliver more pain signals and as you take each step and as you begin to warm up again you're actually wringing out your fascia just like you would a sponge and that water begins to slowly move out of the fascia and your symptoms begin to improve now what i've found for people and what people have reported over the years is sometimes they get out of bed they have you know seven eight nine out of ten pain in the morning and their pain actually generally goes away during the day until then they begin to sort of slow down and rest as the afternoon goes on this is extremely important extremely common sorry and it's it's generally what i begin to sort of ask questions about in terms of that pain pattern which will help with that diagnosis 
The next thing I then begin to look at is the area of pain. And the area that I, is, is really common for plantar fascia pain is right underneath the central part of your heel or right on the inside of or the back end of your arch. Now, the reason for that is because this is where the plantar fascia actually attaches into the heel bone. And so there's, you, can, you can have what we call an insertional presentation. So that's where you're getting pain right at that insertion of, of the fascia into the heel bone, or you can have more of a presentation further on into your arch. Generally, people are most painful right at where that's inserting onto your heel bone. And so it is a really common place that you might be able to push um, and, and begins to present with symptoms or it might be a specific spot when you go through that post-rest pain This of, of that's where it's really hurting. Now, what I commonly find is that people come into the clinic and they've warmed up and their symptoms are low for the day and we go and have a bit of an assessment around those areas and the plantar fascia tends to make a liar out of the client. And what I mean by that is that quite commonly because the symptoms have warmed up, it's not always that you can push and find those sore spots right at that point. Um, and so that palpation pain, I believe, isn't as important factor in terms of diagnosing this. It's usually to do with, you know, what are the history, what are what are the pain symptoms through the morning and what does it do as the day goes on. So like I mentioned, pain and stiff generally warms up is a really common thing. And then what I find is that there's always a correlation between increased amount of pain and stiffness the following morning after there's been bouts of exercise that are involved in loading the fascia such as running walking sport change of direction and etc so usually a really key sign if it is more of a plantar fascia pain is that it's really determined as to how much loading you're doing and this comes directly back into the previous episode where we spoke about load versus capacity and the variety of ways that we can actually load the foot. And like I spoke about, the specific types of load are all to do with that, what we call shorten and stretching of the fascia, which is involved in walking, running, sports, standing as well as we go through. So generally, if someone's playing, you know, training for their sport on a Tuesday night, which involves running, the next morning they're likely to be quite symptomatic. Whereas if they have a a low load day on the Wednesday, they might be less symptomatic going into their Thursday morning. So that's really something to keep in mind is to to have a bit of a look at what is my plantar fascia responding to or what is my pain responding to? Because if it's consistent all the time, no matter the load, then we may not be looking at a, a plantar fascia presentation. Now, what causes plantar fasciopathy? This is, of course, multifactorial. Now, what I mean by that is that there's a multitude of factors that can really impact on the presentation of of the plantar fascia. And look, to be honest, I think that there's an element that we don't actually know, um, but I'm going to run through what, what we think might be some causes. And what we commonly think about is more of what we call a mechanical element. And that is that If there's any increase in load that's greater than the capacity of the plantar fascia tissue, this might be what has caused symptoms. And again, that goes back to the previous episode, and that is that if there's a sudden or a gradual increase in load without the required capacity to handle that load, then you may begin to present with symptoms. And it's simply that the the body's trying to send a signal to say, hey, my plantar fascia cells, they're not enjoying this at the moment, and I can't keep up with the amount of load that you're applying. So what I commonly see is someone might have started to train for a marathon and they've already been running, but they begin to increase their volume and their frequency and their intensity. And that might ramp up at a rate of, you know, they've doubled their volume or they've 
you know, they've increased 50% week on week on week to the point where the body hasn't had the appropriate ability to recover to recover in time. And as such, they present with symptoms around the heel. So that's a really common one. Another one could be, you know, they're getting into exercise again. So they've gone from walking 2000 steps a day into 10,000 steps a day, or they may have changed jobs where they're going from a seated position into more of a standing position day on day. What I'm looking for in someone's history is to really have a bit of a, see if we can find an explanation as to why there might be the symptom presentation, because it also goes back to helping them understand how they can manage their symptoms. If they know that there's been an increase in their symptoms based on their exercise level, then we can say, right, what exercise can we keep you doing? And what can we change in terms of your regime that might be able to help with their presentation to get them, you know, moving where they want to be in terms of those pain symptoms. So some really common uh, examples of an increase in load, as I mentioned, is that there might be an increased daily step count. There might be a return to running or an increase in running. Things even like a change of surface for exercise or work can can be a factor here. So if someone's going from playing on grass to playing on, you know, uh, an asphalt basketball court, then that's enough of a change of service that it could increase the load. Um, the other one is that there might be an introduction of a new type of exercise. So for example, someone's gone from, you know, consistent weight training and then they've, they've introduced maybe some plyometric work such as box jumps or hopping or skipping. Again, it's the style of exercise that will load up the fascia is anything that involves utilizing that elastic spring of the, of the fascia. And so that can be another one that has overloaded the tissue at a point where it can't recover and as such it begins to signal pain. Now, look, there are times where the plantar fasciopathy does begin without marked changes in load. Uh, and, and that's where I begin to look and say, you know, there's potentially some risk factors that might place you at slightly higher risk of developing plantar fasciopathy. Um, and based on the research, there's things such as uh, partaking in a higher level of running-based activity, higher body mass index or, or body weight, work-related time spent on feet. So someone who's standing on hard surfaces all day might be at slightly higher risk than someone who spends more of a day seated or in office. Um, and there's also some what we call biomechanical factors. So that is how the foot is functioning and how the ankle joint is functioning as well. So there's a little bit of research out there to suggest that, you know, poor ankle range of motion might be a bit of a factor here. And then there's also the, the foot biomechanics theory, and that is that particular foot types might be at higher risk. Now, one of the things that I commonly get asked, and I think it's worth unpacking, is... People commonly come in and say, I've got plantar fascia pain or plantar fasciitis or plantar fasciopathy. Is it because I've got flat feet? Now, I think it's a really great question, but what I remind people is that no matter the foot, there's still a robustness, even though there, you know, there might be a bad connotation of, of having a flat foot. So flat feet don't necessarily cause more pain than having a, a, a non-flat foot or a higher arch foot even. It's usually just that potentially a flatter foot might put a little bit more load through the inside of your heel compared to someone who's got a higher arch foot where they might put more load through the outside of the, of the foot. So what I really try to keep in mind here is that it's not a straight, I've got flat foot, therefore this is the problem here. It's always multifactorial, as we mentioned. It's, you know, how much load have you been doing? How well are you recovering? What's your footwear like? What's the surface like? Does your foot actually play a role in the presentation here? But it's not just a straight, the one reason that we're presenting with pain. So what I want people to know is that 
you know, the foot type that you have, it's, it's the way that we are. And what we're learning more and more is that if you have a flat foot, that's not a diagnosis. It is an observation. And so just because you have a flat foot does not mean that you're going to, you know, run into problems throughout life. It just means that maybe you might be, if there was a chance of having pain, you might be at higher risk on the inside of your foot compared to the outside of your foot. And, and look, I'd love to have a crystal ball here and rub and know what sort of symptoms people are going to get. But um, the nature of the, the feed is that we just don't know. I've seen people through life that have extremely flat mobile feet and they get well into the 70s, 80s, 90s even that have never, ever had foot pain. And so then I sit back and think, all right, it's it's clearly not just the one foot biomechanics. It's, it's, it's multifactorial, as we mentioned. So don't let that get you down as to why you might think that you have plantar fascia pain. Now, what else could it be? So differential diagnosis is what we call that. And it, like I mentioned earlier, plantar heel pain is really common, but there's a, a lot of other presentations that can actually occur around the heel. And I'm just going to quickly run through them because their presentations will actually differ in terms of the symptoms that you present with. Now, one of the common symptoms or common presentations that I'll see is what they call fat pad syndrome. So sitting right below your heel, you'll, you'll feel that sort of soft squishiness. That's actually the fat pad. And it sits very close to where the plantar fascia is. Uh, and it, it, its structure is that it does aid a little bit in, in shock absorption and distribute some force underneath your heel bone. And it's likely to sit just behind plantar fascia or plantar fasciopathy as sort of the leading cause of heel pain. And what I find with fat pad syndrome is it tends to act in the opposite way to plantar heel pain in, uh, sorry, plantar plantar fascia pain in that it is not necessarily too severe in the morning, but actually worsens as the day goes on. So it usually almost acts in the opposite method to your normal plantar fascia presentation. Um, within the inside of the heel, there's, there's a couple of nerves, um, and these nerves can certainly get inflamed in terms of a tissue level, but they also might be able to be, you know, there's common times where there's some impingement of a nerve that begins to innervate the foot. Now, these symptoms tend to be, uh, not always necessarily load determined in that it's not, not always a direct correlation into, to loading. And you'll generally see that there's more of, a neural presentation or nerve presentation. So there'll be numbness, there'll be tingling, there'll be sharp radiating pain through the bottom aspect of the foot. And so it's usually, again, presenting differently than it would with the plantar fascia symptoms, which is more of that, you know, severe morning pain. It warms up, it comes back later in the day as, as we begin to cool down again. And the final one that is worth worth mentioning is a calcaneal stress fracture. Now, Calcaneal stress fractures, um, they do pop up and it's always, you know, related to what we what we could say as a repetitive load of the heel bone where there has not been adequate recovery for that bone to lay down and recover as it goes. Now, generally these ones uh, present with symptoms that continues with pain that extends into resting time. So that is, you know, there's pain at night time, there's pain with your foot up, pain is consistent through the day, it doesn't necessarily change and that's when we sort of look and investigate further with an MRI or usually yeah, usually MRI or CT to, to further assess that. Now, diagnostically for the plantar fascia, there are times where we do refer for an ultrasound or we do refer for an MRI um, but it's it's not that common I tend to find in terms of my opinion simply because the symptoms can be really follow quite a, 
a common pathway and it's if they're a slight variant that we might send off for for an ultrasound to confirm the diagnosis or to assess if it might be a differential diagnosis as we go through. So very commonly what will pop up on ultrasound with plantar fasciopathy is that there might be some thickening through that plantar fascia. And how I think about this and how I explain that thickening is that what you're talking about there is an adapted fascia. And by adapted, what I mean is that the body has gone through and it's laid down more fascia cells or more collagen because that's how the body tends to respond to load and that's how the body tends to respond to trying to heal and improve an area. And it's the same with the Achilles tendon. Someone will present with a thickened tendon if the body's going and laying down more more layers of tissue to try and protect you at the end of the day because that's what the body's doing and that's when it tends to send pain signals is trying to protect you, which goes all the way back to when tigers used to chase us and it didn't want to stop us from, you know, getting eaten by a tiger or something like that. So that is generally what I'll see and when I'll refer is that if symptoms aren't necessarily aligning um, and it can be a good way to just help further diagnose but it's not always a requirement in terms of a, a treatment plan there's been many many cases where we've moved someone through a good recovery plan and not have to not required an ultrasound to confirm the diagnosis now i'm sure you're all waiting for i've got plan plantar fascia pain what are my treatment options now that is something that we're going to cover in the next episode um, and that is something that i will be releasing in one week's time and it's not to keep you waiting. It's more the fact that there is a lot of different treatment of options that we can cover. And so I'm going to split it over over two episodes. So that is the end of the episode today. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think that we're putting out good information, the the a really great way to help is just to, with one tap of the thumb, leave a five-star review. And the other option I think can be really helpful is sending it to someone that you think might be suffering from foot and ankle pain. So like I said, we're trying to deliver the highest quality amount of information for people to help themselves with foot and ankle pain. And so the more and more people that know, hopefully the more and more people we can help. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss the treatment options for plantar fascia pain. Otherwise, have a lovely week and we will see you next time.